From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Third Times the Charm, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are Cheating Part 3 and Putting the Real World in Games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. We got new chairs, y'all. <laughs> Big news. Whoa. Look, okay, hold on. Important news. This is important. Chairs, you sit on chairs all the time. Mm-hmm. Not all the chairs. Stephen, I sit on a chair all the time. Yeah, you have one particular chair that you sit on all the time. I have a standing desk at home. Okay, see, y'all are making Also, you have a stool here at the office. I do. Use. I don't actually have a chair. Okay, yeah. see, this, none of this is relevant to my point. My point is, generally speaking, people sit in chairs. Mm-hmm. Not all of yeah. them are comfortable. We have opinions. So it's nice to know that you got some nice chairs waiting for you at your office, at your home. Yeah. We got new chairs. They're nice chairs. Yeah. Waiting for us at the office. Yeah. We, I was testing it out today. Yeah. It actually is, uh, it doesn't have enough cushion on the butt. But, <laughs> <laughs> and also the back is a little sturdy. I have opinions on chairs, oh I guess. Oh my, this started out so positive. <laughs> but they're probably the right chairs for someone. Yes. Yeah. So when we when I opened this co-working space here, where which contained within is the clubhouse mm-hmm. um i was like well um i don't know what i'm gonna do about chairs because i'm a believer in like spending a lot of money on a chair yeah and so i was like i can get i could get nine um like cheapish ikea chairs that would cost me a lot of money mm-hmm. but also be kind of bad but they're just bad chairs yeah so my solution was i'm gonna let everyone who comes in bring in their own chair mm-hmm. And then they're likely to have something that works for them. Yeah. And that might be ideal because if you rent a desk here, you may not have a chair to bring in. And that's not ideal. But yeah. that was my solution. It, it fit the budget I had at the time for furnishing the office. Right. Um, and um, we got a former guest on the show, Matt Gravel, mm-hmm. uh, uh, loaned us a couple of really nice chairs yeah. for us to use in the meantime. And that really helped a lot. Um, and like, Ellen, you brought in your own solution. Um, but uh, – uh, Target Corporation, which is yes. a huge Fortune 500 company based here in Minneapolis. Uh, you probably have a store near you. Mm-hmm. Um, their corporate headquarters, they have went to a hybrid model. Yeah. And so they closed down a huge part of their office space downtown. And so they auctioned off a bunch of office equipment. Yes. And friend of the show, best friend of the show, Holly Harrison, mm-hmm. uh, uh, clued you into it, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. And I clued you into it. And you it. clued me into it. So Stephen and I both signed up for accounts on this auction site. <laughs> yep. And... Uh, and I'm telling you, these are thousand dollar chairs. Mm-hmm. I got eight of them. Yeah. For a hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, that's so good. Such a great deal. Yeah. Uh, I I got I got my own chair actually for my own apartment, um, which is less actually less nice than the chairs that we have here, but it's actually still pretty nice. Yeah. Cool. Um. So yeah, it's that, that was you know that was a fun couple days <laughs> when that auction was going. <laughs> it was on. just like learning how the system worked. Yeah. Like seeing how much somebody would would bid on a whiteboard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't just chairs. You got some like some tag, some pegboard or something like that. Yeah, we yeah. got a couple of couple of uh, cork boards and stuff from the back room of the cafeteria. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, which we threw out a couple of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got some new garbage cans for the office. Yeah, like commercial garbage cans that cost a hundred dollars each. Big. They Picked hold up so two much of them trash. for ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you are. <laughs> 
when you are, you know, like, and you realize how much it costs for nice things. It is, it was incredible to have just this, all these nice things. And they're just, they're just trying to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so we got lucky. Um, and thanks to Holly's attention to the matter, mm-hmm. we got a bunch of good stuff. So the office is even nicer now, which is really cool. And Steven and I spent the day yesterday. Uh, we rented a truck, went downtown. It's not far from the office. Yeah. Um, and loaded all the chairs up and figured out how their system worked and got, <laughs> got yelled at by a lady who was running things. <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> Signed a document saying yes, we are removing these cork boards <laughs> and only these. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, right. It was a fun couple of days, like like mm-hmm. looking through the big list of twelve hundred items, yeah. like seeing you know, theorizing about who would want that mini fridge. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, all right, for real. <laughs> it was just fun. It was. Yeah. That was entertaining. Yeah, and then ultimately didn't spend a ton of money. I could sell. You know, we we have. Okay, I got way more chairs than we need here in the office. <laughs> there, there are chairs all over this place they're stacked around yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so i am gonna need to either give a couple away or sell a few but Mm. then i'll just make all my money back and it'll just be free chairs there you go um minus uh labor and stress well you can probably sell them for a little bit more than you spend oh quite a bit more yeah 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 yeah. no i mean i'm not kidding the thousand dollar chairs like nineteen dollars a piece yeah yeah. like that's incredible and and we got eight of one type six of another and two of another and they're all seven hundred to a thousand dollar chairs and and they're all in great condition. Yeah, that's true. They, they are. They are actually in great condition. Yeah. yeah. And they are especially these um uh there are a bunch of them with wheels and they spin. Yeah. But then there are some that you they got that don't have wheels. <laughs> they do have, some of them do have wheels. Um some of them spin but don't have wheels and I really like the look of those. Yeah. 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 They're yeah. they're stylish too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I'm persnickety about aesthetics. And so, like, I wasn't just going to get a cheap chair. And it was actually kind of a problem for me when I was starting the office Mm. because I wasn't just going to, like, get the most efficient, cost-effective option. Sure, Because, like, a big part of being at a – especially a co-working space is, like, the the environment is really important. Right. So I wanted something that was cohesive, that was Mm -hmm. well-designed. I'm not an interior decorator by a trade or anything, but, like, it is something I'm really concerned about in my own spaces. Yeah. And so it was really important to me. And so, luckily, the stuff they had on offer fit right in. Which is great. It wasn't just like a cheap um, Craigslist find. It yeah. was it's proper, good stuff. Very pleased. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Biggest news in a long time around here. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the office space goes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, except for, you know, the biggest thing that happened before that was when you got that second fake tree. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I found that on the side of the road, though. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different kind of, of win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so y'all are going to Gen Con, right? Yes. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on the show, but in the end, uh, just Dale and I are going to go to Gen Con. Yeah. Um, we are going to be, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but uh, we are going to be pitching Dogpile uh, at an event where it's sort of a speed yeah. dating event, so they describe it, which is a little, I don't know if I love that metaphor, but it is basically what it is. You mm. sit at a table, and every five minutes, somebody else will come, and you you, you do your finely honed five-minute pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be putting it in front of a lot of publishers. Um, which is really exciting, and it's much easier than trying to get actual meetings. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, it's a little bit of like the publishers who are there. Um, they they take their meetings, and then this is kind of like a let's see what we missed. Yeah. And so it's great to be part of that group, um, and we'll probably get it in front of a lot of people. But I'm trying to keep my expectations in check mm. as to like what it's going to mean for for the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we made a couple of adjustments uh, last week, right. and we're yep. really pleased where it's going. Steven, you cracked the solo mode. I it's... mean, you ha- you did a lot of the work. Okay, too. we cracked the solo <laughs> mode. It it's so much fun. It is. Cool. It really is. Um, I'm I'm really thrilled because mm-hmm. Dogpile has been like a bunch of like solving a solution that cr- uh, solving a problem that creates a tiny problem, yeah. mm-hmm. and then being okay with the tiny problem. Like yeah. that's been the the process of designing Dogpile. Yeah. It's like it's got such a great core, but we're really trying to. 
it's not even like the distribution of numbers for the the card values. That's a whole separate problem mm. that we feel it's a good stasis right now. The mechanics, balancing all the mechanics, and like we're, we can't get everything we want out of it, so yeah. we're just trying to find the best solution. Yeah, and I guess I guess that's a sign of a, a maturely developed game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that solo mode is just like rip roaring. Oh fun. yeah, no, so it's, it's, pleased with that it's one. Great, yeah, 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 it's real solid. I'm excited to try it. I haven't so, tried it yet. Um, you'll we'll be pitching that at Gen Con at this mm-hmm. event, and then also uh, around the convention. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're driving out there again, still doing that uh, that road trip hack with the free charging <laughs> that I've described a couple of times on the show before. Mm. But man, it's this will be the third one this year. Yeah, I'm kind of done. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of. I haven't even taken this trip yet, and I'm sort of done. <laughs> so check with me next week, see how I feel. All right. <laughs> All right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the show. It's a segment now. We were making it. We okay. called it that. Apparently, it's a segment now. The yeah. segment's name is called It's Horses, but with rockets or something. What's Ellen playing? <laughs> What's Ellen playing? <laughs> well, it wasn't horses or rockets. Mm-hmm. But um, it was something. I was playing something, yeah. Uh, I am working my way up to starting another console game. Played a little Kirby this weekend. <gasps> Kirby. Yeah. Oh. Are you just starting that game, or did you start No, I've, I've started previously and played it a few whole time. Like, played mm-hmm. it a couple of the levels played it up to a couple of the like levels in uh, a few times but it's really good for pulling out with small folks like mm, nephews yeah. and yeah. second cousins who are the same age as the nephews um who come visit and then just play kirby mm-hmm. while all the grown-ups talk right <laughs> wow, called out called out yep <clears throat> anyway so uh yeah so that doesn't count yeah um what i have been playing is a little puzzle game called cubistry Mm-hmm. Uh, a little mobile puzzle game that's very chill if you want it to be chill and then not chill if you don't want it to be. It's, okay. It's really cool. So it's basically, it's a matching game, but it's cubes within cubes. You have the giant cube that's made up of smaller cubes and you've just got to pair up the smaller cubes to get rid of the big cube. What it looks like, it's like a three-dimensional Mahjong puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. That's what it looks like. Um, and then it, it's pretty cool how they've done this. The thing that I think is really interesting about this is just how many modes they have, game oh, modes. Well. Yeah, so like the default game mode, you can rotate the cube in space, you know, on your screen, just like you would with the Rubik's Cube, and you can view it from all angles. So it's much easier to pair up things because you can be like, okay, I remember the yellow um, cube with the red dollar sign on this side. I just rotate to the other side. I remember there's a second red or yellow cube with a red dollar sign. Pair them up. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are several other modes that make it more challenging. So then there's like uh, the rotate mode where the cube renders and then just starts rotating along one axis. Oh. And you have to like, and go really fast. Yeah. Um, Did you make that noise? No. <laughs> That's the noise I make when I'm trying to get it. And then Eric goes, go to bed. But yeah, it makes these little popping noises. It's really pleasing when you get a couple, mm-hmm. you know, it's this pleasing, nice um, little puzzle game. Yeah. And, cool. uh, but then, yeah, there are other modes where it's like completely frozen, doesn't rotate, it's mm-hmm. just fixed. Mm-hmm. And you have to just like peck your way through. And oh. sometimes <laughs> just like get the tiniest sliver of a little cube. Yeah. Um, and then there's one that I really haven't at all beat ever, and that's like a cube attack. So every like five seconds, it spawns more cubes. Mm. So you have to like, you ha- yeah, yeah. I haven't beat that one yet. Okay. It's just get over. I just get overwhelmed by cubes. Yeah. I can't handle that. Um, so yeah, I played that for a week or so after um, I said farewell to the horse game. Spent too much money on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Microtransactions got me, so I just I'm done with it. It's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, it was for the best. 
Um, Until they add rockets or something. <laughs> if they add rockets to that game, I am back in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't think they will. So cubes it was. And now I think I'm done with cubes too. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go to something on the Steam Deck. That's where I'm headed next. And so I'll probably post something to d- Discord and ask people what I should play. Dragon's Dogma. <sighs> no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So good. Dragon's Dogma 2 is coming out eventually. Anyways, boo-boo. This is that's a future topic for a future say, day. That's a segment for next episode. Yes. Yeah. What does Steven want to play? Because <laughs> he doesn't. It's play Kirby, any games. but with rockets or something. Yeah, Kirby has rockets. Kirby has everything. Kirby has everything. Yeah. You also have a topic. I do have a topic. Think we can do it this time? <laughs> Solve cheating? No. Do you think? Oh. <laughs> We're can we g- can we stop talking about it? Maybe? Yeah, can we be, can we get that far? Can we be done after this one? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, it's up so to Ellen. This is an odyssey. No, it is up to all of us. This is a team. It's a team. This is a cooperative. I know it's hard for you, Stephen. Uh, this is a cooperative endeavor. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. Now right. I need I need like the voice of uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry saying previously on Nice Games Club. Previously on Nice Games Club. And now the conclusion. <laughs> Nice. Um, maybe you can edit this one and get that in there. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've talked about this twice before now mm-hmm. in the recent past. Uh, we started with uh, what is cheating? And I posed some difficult questions to you all mm-hmm. and made us talk a lot. Yep. Um, then we talked about, okay, what does cheating look like in today's games? You know, it's one thing to talk about cheating in poker um, or blackjack. Um, but completely different to talk about something like cheating in Vengeance or in, you know, Counter-Strike Go. Mm-hmm. We, we wanted to end on, okay, how do you address it? How do you prevent it? We touched a little bit on that. How do you prevent it from a design perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we, what we talked about last time in a nutshell was if you're doing competitive games, you aren't going to be able to prevent cheating. There's going to be some degree of cheating. If you don't want to deal with cheating, don't make it competitive. <laughs> Right, like, can you design it away? And it's like maybe, but it's sort of endemic to the genre. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely probably there's probably some things you can do yeah. from a design perspective to make it harder to cheat, make it less appealing to cheat, and so on and so forth. Um, but if you want to get rid of it entirely, you've got to just let that kind of dynamic go. I think. Now, I definitely want people to fight us on this. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I will say the where I came down with is that. You can make a competitive game that's highly competitive, but as soon as you make the second round, as soon as you start oh, tracking, yeah. right? So I, yeah, I yeah. think that you can still make games that are fiercely competitive yeah. mm-hmm. and not encourage cheating. Yeah, But it does mean you do have to give up some things about the culture around these games. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah we kind of went around the horn on it for a good while because it is so it's, – it's a big topic, and I think we struggled – encompass it yeah right it's huge yeah um but today i think we're going to talk a little bit more about the sort of actual real world solutions that have been employed by others which ellen has done a lot of research on yeah i've done i've done some research on it. i don't know about a lot but i've done some <laughs> uh, i watched lots of youtube videos which i will link okay. and i did some reading which i will link okay um and there definitely were two videos from gdc from GDCs of yesteryear mm-hmm. um, and yester, yester, yesteryear uh, <laughs> that were still really interesting and still are kind of playing out today. So um, the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is 
I'll get to some things that are more specifically from those videos in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But the first thing I want to talk about, just because I think it's more, it's, it's fundamental, um, and this did come up in all the videos, and so you can watch and watch those videos and read those links to get a little bit more about this. But I, I feel like I'm very ill-equipped to talk about these things, which is why I wanted to start with them, because we might not say a lot about them. <laughs> um, but maybe you guys will have a, maybe you guys can kind of fill in the gaps. Yeah. And this is about architecture, right? So. Um, the things I was seeing are like when it comes to architecture uh, and how you can think about architecture as a way of preventing high, high tech high tech cheating, right? Yeah. Um, is client side versus server side processes, mm -hmm. um, obfuscation, which I want to talk about because I don't really understand exactly what that means. I have an idea, and then I didn't really see much about this, but encryption. So, um, from client side versus server side processes, from what I understand. Basically, if you're, you know, you're you're running a game, you gotta have a server or something, and your client side, your players, your their machines are talking to your server and everything's getting synced up and so on and so forth. And there are some ways that um you can architect things that make your game, which is playing out in those multiple locations, more vulnerable to hacks and cheats. Um but I don't really know how to nail it down more than that. Okay. Do you guys? Uh, I mean, a little bit. Okay. It, it's it's a what's the source of truth? Yeah. Right. When yeah. it comes to what, the, so a lot of a lot of ways that people cheat in these types of games are they automate uh, processes, right? Yeah. Like aimbots and stuff yep, like yep, that. Yep. And and when everything is validated on the client side with the actual on, on the user's computer, and then the result is sent to be synced with the server and the other clients, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then there's essentially no way to validate. You know to know if you know what's been done, right? Because uh -huh. the user has full control of their computer. Yeah. Um, and the ways that some anti-cheat things have been done in the past is to try to take control of the user's computer. Yeah, and that's been controversial. Mm -hmm. But the other ways is to sort of move some of that val validation to the server and limiting what the player is able, to, how the player, the client is able to communicate. And that's where it's past my understanding. Yeah, um, because it's like I don't know how is that how's that possible? You have to do a lot of like predictive checking like it's you can no one can move that fast no one can well, aim that fast you right. have you do a little bit of predictive checking in general to do certain um online right just games. To, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah yeah good um so so that's so that's necessary anyways so like you can kind of use that uh to to i suppose as a result you can use that to also uh prevent cheating from happening but i, I imagine that's not the whole intent as to why they're building the system in that way yeah maybe you could set thresholds like yeah. Because you have to predict mm -hmm. the next frame anyway, so yes. if it's so far off from that, you can maybe have a threshold between like unexpected behavior versus impossible behavior. Right, mm -hmm. right, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they do this predictive stuff to 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 make it clear that the player has done something that they were supposed to do. Because like it takes some time to, um, for the the client to send something to the server, the server to send it back as a result, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so like. For instance, uh, I remember reading like a, an article on Valorant or something where they were describing how they put the process in. If you shoot somebody, um, and on your end it looks like you're going to get a headshot, but on the server side, um, it takes a while before the server gets that information and stuff. And so, like it, by that time, the other client maybe they move their head, and so they don't get a headshot or something. At that point, mm -hmm. they've changed it so that they've done some finagling. I don't remember the exact details where they will say. You get a headshot, and it will just the server will accept that and just send that information to the other client instead. Then um, I think they do hmm. some prediction stuff in order so to get like, that to happen. So like it biases the offensive action. So not not just a like it sounds like it's gameplay uh, contextual. 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't okay. remember if it was specifically like the person who does the shooting gets the advantage all the time or whatever. Yeah. But it, it was yeah. something kind of like that. This was a while ago when I read this article. Uh, um, but yeah, that's so they like effectively they could do that kind of stuff where like if somebody is, I suppose because they have a little bit of that information as to how people are shooting, you can kind of tell that somebody is using an aimbot. Mm-hmm. Um, theoretically, somebody could design an aimbot that like barely skirts the edge of that. We'll get to but, that. Yeah, yeah. The, but yeah. that's as a result, like that's why people don't tell. That's why a lot of developers don't tell the specifics on how games. How like all of that stuff works because yeah. uh, people can will abuse that exactly once, if they know how to. How yeah. It works. yeah, the knowledge has to be secret. It's one yeah. of the, that's one of the things that makes us a little bit difficult to talk about in mm. details because all this information is actually quite yeah closely guarded. Yes, um, because there's this evolutionary arms race essentially between mm. cheaters and developers. Yeah, and you know, there's like wacky levels of like spying on yeah. forums and things yeah. to figure th- it's it's bizarre it's like a whole another layer of gaming yeah. yeah like over the game it's weird i mean this is proper intelligence operations yeah i was gonna yeah. say like, yeah yeah which, which is just like so sad <laughs> it's yeah i'm sorry to the people who do that work because i'm sure it feels important to them but it's just depressing <laughs> yeah well i don't know i mean like if I if I take if I take the morality out of the equation and think of it only like an like anthropologist or something, well, it's yeah, very yeah. fascinating. Um, but uh, yeah, I could see how this I could see how this would be really interesting at, from a like yeah. professional perspective. Right, because it's not just fascinating; it's innovative. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, uh, and and mul- and mul- cross disciplinary as well. Yeah, cr- so yeah. it must be really engaging to do that kind of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad there are people out there doing it because um, it it means like those people have brains. Like some serious, some serious brains. Yeah. Uh, I one other thing that came up in my research was obfuscation, mm-hmm. um, which I it, it definitely felt like a term that would be bolded if it were in a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess to me, with an English major, not a computer science major, basically means like don't name things super obvious. I don't know. That's what, pretty much what it means. Yeah, yeah. Make it hard for you to make it hard for hackers um to cheaters to figure out how your system works right yes and so that they can't exploit it it's a classic thing that javascript developers know very well because javascript is uh, compiled on the client side and so for the most part the user will get to see the code yeah and so um a lot of especially for games um uh, for like browser games where the cheating isn't necessarily as existential it is for some other types of games yeah yeah but um but also things like um uh, advertising display networks and stuff that you don't really want people poking around in in the grand tradition of view source right which is a (laughs) that is a tenet of the internet and Mm -hmm. yet people have been trying Mm -hmm. to get around it forever Mm. um and one of the things they do is they put to the entire the script on one line. Yep. No white space. Everything, all the variables are given randomized uh, uh, names, and uh, functions are basically rerun through a compiler so that they do the same thing but in the most convoluted way. Oh. And you just run that program three or four times. Yeah. On your script, and then you essentially have unreadable garbage that does exactly what you intended it to. Mm-hmm. So it just makes it very difficult. Now there are, re- you know, reverse ways yeah. to sort of try to derive some meaning out of that right right but the more you do that and the more complicated your obfuscation is the more skill it takes to undo it mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. all just you know uh building a better mousetrap and it's again sad <laughs> <laughs> or fascinating right sad or fascinating <laughs> 
Just put, put your Spock hat on. Yeah. It's the new Nice Games Club game. <laughs> Sad or fascinating. Sad or fascinating. That's not, that's going to come up in Mark's segment. <laughs> um. So I didn't see much about this, and maybe that's because it just doesn't apply. But, like, encryption? I don't know if that's, if that's the thing. Probably not for anti-cheating. I mean, I you can send false. I mean, you can. It's not just about, like, having an extra program that's like an aimbot. Mm-hmm. You could try to basically send bogus values to the server mm-hmm. yeah and so that could be maybe trying to uh, encrypt communication to make sure that it's validated that way yeah, um, yeah. there's probably a little bit of that going on i don't know i don't know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. okay so that's kind of the more architectural stuff i think mm-hmm. um but then we got to the stuff that's really cool so <laughs> um there is if if you're only going to take away like if you're going to look at one of the resources that we'll link in the show notes you should definitely watch this video from uh, GDC 2018, right. the before times. It right. feels like ancient history. But this is the yesterday year. The yesterday yesteryear. Yes, and this is a uh, a um, talk from someone at Valve, mm-hmm. and they're talking about um, how they were using deep learning as an anti-cheat, you know, to deal with cheating um, in Counter Strike Global Offensive. Okay, and this is this talk is probably been viewed a lot so it might be possible like people who are listening have already seen it mm-hmm. probably worth another listen or another watch um it's really super good and they're they're vague enough in the details be- because you know it, it was newer tech at the time they're not trying to reveal all the secrets because they yeah. want to stay ahead of the competition but i think that that kind of the high level nature of it is really helpful even because it makes it something that i think is still useful to watch today uh, and i think they're still they're still using um a system that was based on what they started in 2018 mm-hmm. for um, things that they're doing in like Counter Strike 2. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So Valve has Trust Factor. Are you familiar with Trust Factor? No. That's the, that's the band that that plays at company parties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Um, maybe it's called something else now, but at this time, and explain it in the thing, it's not a band. That would be cool, actually. Um, you would totally listen to a band called Trust Factor. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That totally sounds me, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to ask Dolly to make up a fake poster and yeah. send it to you. Okay. Um, That's a band that has a bassist and then someone who plays a bass synthesizer. Yes. Right? Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like just two people. Well, there's other people too, but I'm just. <laughs> but for sure, it's got those people. And for sure, yeah. Um, so Trust Factor looks at the players, a player's band account. So they're looking at a Valve account, okay, and they are looking at all the band accounts across all games they have on Steam. Uh huh. So any games they've been banned from that are associated with that Steam account, um, that's really what it's looking for. And yeah. so you know, the more the more band accounts you have, or banned games you have on your account, then the Worse, your trust factor score, so on and so forth. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they combine that with uh, a system of humans called Overwatch, confusingly called Overwatch. All right. Um, which is real players judging incidents that were submitted by other human players and by their deep learning system. Mm. And so these Overwatch, this system of the Overwatch jurors, mm-hmm. um, look at these incidents and basically at like a jury say yeah this is a cheater or not do you know if this is like a core of volunteers or the people are actually paying to do this this is volunteers from what i understand okay yeah i think it's volunteers um some concerns with that 
but let's mm. let's definitely talk about that in a second. Yep. I'm going to explain a little bit more about it. Okay. Um. So yeah. So Overwatch is a system of real players being jurors. Yep. Um. Looking through incidents of reported or suspected cheating that were reported by real human players, and by this deep learning system called VACnet. So VAC stands for Valve Anti Cheat. And VACnet is this deep learning system that's trained on the data from Overwatch, not the game, <laughs> Yeah, the system of jurors. Right. So the Overwatch system of jurors creates a whole bunch of data that you can use to then train a deep learning model. Mm-hmm. And then that deep learning system is distributed uh-huh. um, into the game, and that becomes VACnet. So it's looking at instances um, of gameplay, yeah. and it's it's reviewing them. Basically, it's reviewing. Them. It's re- it's 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 Is reviewing. It handing them? out punishment? No. Oh, thank goodness. No, it has okay. to go. <laughs> no, it has to go through Overwatch. I think for punishments to be ineffective. Now that's what the case was in 2018. That might have uh, changed. Sure. That might have changed. Okay. Yeah. Um. So at the time, Vacnet was watching. You know, using its using its massive amount of data that had been trained on Mm -hmm. that was created by human jurors Mm -hmm. was looking at live gameplay and saying oh that looks weird oh that looks weird oh that looks weird and then queuing those instances into the overwatch system of jurors yeah who would then say confirm it or not and then get rid of it okay and i think then reinforces back into the data model yes which Which is a very machine learning idea yeah yeah of that reinforcing yep it it scales and another one of the things that they were talking about in this video was um it adapts Mm -hmm. right so when the cheaters um come up with new tactics the you know they get caught by human players by vacnet they get moved back into the overwatch system of jurors and then they get put back into the training system mm-hmm. and it took you know i think they explained it took only like a, it took a few hours to retrain the system probably takes less time today or maybe more time probably maybe comparable amount of time if they have more data mm-hmm. who knows but you know just a few hours to retrain the system mm-hmm. on updated data so it's 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 scalable and that's what they were talking about okay um so I thought that was really interesting. Um, they have a. There's been some talk about um, new updates to that system that's been they've been using in Counter Strike Two. And from what I can see, I don't have a, I don't have a Valve source video on this, but I did find like a YouTube video, uh, game game news coverage of this thing, and that mm-hmm. it seems like it was like, fr- from what I could see, it seems like it was basically saying it's just, you know cheating is suspected in this game and it just kicks everybody out no punishment like nobody loses anything nobody gains anything it's just like if it flags cheating and it's suspected then it just ends the match okay now yeah i'm really curious because i don't play this game yeah um i don't really know anybody who plays this game yeah um i i want to talk to my brother-in-law um he's in he plays a lot of destiny so I'm curious. I didn't get a chance to talk to him leading up to this episode, but I'm curious what like what Destiny does with that, um, and if they have something similar. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, yeah. So that's that's what is going on there. Um, another video that I found from a, from GDC of yesteryears. This was actually even further back. Uh, had to do with Daisy, mm-hmm. um, and they talked a little bit about what what they found in their community and like how they were using community engagement to work against cheaters. Um, And some of the data they shared was basically like of of the people they banned for cheating, 75% of those accounts come back and Mm reoffend, which they verified through various means. Um, But basically, yeah, like looking, 
if you take those kinds of stories, two stories together, basically, if you're looking at someone who has a history of cheating across their, you know, trust factor data, yeah. they're likely going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Um, so I guess the question, you know, I'll pause here. There's other stuff to talk about. But when it comes to this kind of solution, mm -hmm. like, is even accessible for indie devs? Do we, do we even care? You know, like. Well, the problem it solves is one of volume. Right. Yeah. Indie devs don't always have that problem. <laughs> right. That's, yes, correct. <laughs> but they're also least equipped to handle it if That's it shows up, true. right? Yeah. Um, and, and there are solutions which serves you when you have a lot of data or can generate a lot of data. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, get a lot of volunteers. Um, so, yeah, it's tricky. I don't know uh, if there's a, an analogous way to take the, the actual lessons from these tools what they're good at yeah. and applying them to something lower scale right? Um, with, you know, only a, a few thousand concurrent users ever. You yeah. Know? Um, huh. Yeah. I don't know. Because, I mean, first of all, like you'd need to have the resources to be able to run that kind of um, deep learning yeah. Yeah. system, but you'd also need to have the resources to create the training data, which you'd probably need a good chunk of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a high cost to get started and an ongoing cost to keep running. Right. So it's also just can you afford it? Mm. Yeah, and you know, how much is, is it? Looking at your player base, is it worth that cost? I guess. Yeah. Right. You right, know, right. And we're talking about if people get really fed up with cheating on a Counter Strike game, we're talking millions of dollars on the line. Um. Hopefully, that's a problem that that so many devs get to worry about. <laughs> Anyway, you said, um, Mark, you said you were worried about the a system based on volunteers. Yeah, there's a sort of like, you know, community moderation thing. This is, uh, social media does this. Uh, there's always places to report. Yeah. Um, and and uh, games, have, big games have had this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what, again, it's a solving the problem of volume. You can't get enough moderators to properly monitor the system. Right. So you develop systems by which you can make it more efficient for the human labor that's at your disposal. And some of that is by conscripting free human labor. Yes. And I don't like that. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to have a little flag button it for the user who's playing the game and is having a tough experience. That's that's a method of communication. Right. That's customer service. Mm. We talked about that in the last cheating episode. Yep. But it's another thing to say, like, hey, would you like to donate some of your time to make the thing you love? you know, a, a better environment for all. It's a very attractive thing for someone who treats this like a hobby, mm -hmm. but it's exploiting through free labor. So I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. I, the, the whole trust factor thing feels icky to me. And I don't like that. It's like doing, it's getting like, it's creating data based off of it's particularly volunteers. Right. I don't know how they're trained. I assume they're trained decently well, mm -hmm. but like I would, I would prefer if Valve paid people to be trained in this particular area, and that's what they did in yeah. this overall system of. It's not really Valve speed, though, is it? No, it is not. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I think that like using this data that is likely flawed to gain more information about the players that so that they get future flagged as accounts that need to be checked in the future. Yeah, is a. You're worried about false positives. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a downward spiral sort of thing. That doesn't concern me so much. Okay. Because of the Ellen described it as this adaptable system. Yeah, it, doesn't, it did say it was adaptable, but yeah. I, I I don't know. I've there there are a lot of real world examples of this kind of thing happening and being abused, and I don't think Valve is because they have a system in place for humans to do the checking on yeah. this stuff. I think they're doing a better job than some other people, right? Um, some other groups, but they uh, have so few resources or the constraints such they will automate banning. And, yes. and warnings. And that's stuff. terrible. 
Right. Um, and that was what I was. That's why I had asked that question earlier. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, yeah, I don't know. I think like getting data and using that data and knowing that it's probably biased and false in some way, but like using that information to flag players when other players get away with maybe worse things because they figured out a way to game the system um, or whatever is, is bad too, in my opinion. Um, See, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The whole thing feels, (laughs) that's all I'm saying. Yeah. There's a real politic to it. Like, you know, it's like, how do you actually solve, you know, like, do you do the, the slightly icky thing to Mm -hmm. prevent the big disaster? Yeah. uh, The cratering of your player base or the, really the like ruining of everybody's fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it was that actually reminded me mm. of uh, one of the things about Valve in particular is mm-hmm. because they they sort of own the PC market yeah. um, in, for games, um, and because this system that you're describing, Ellen, um, the trust factor system, where um, it's it's a bans across all these different games. Yeah, that is, I think that system maybe not by that name, but you can um, leverage Valve anti cheat. Uh, you can be part, your indie game can be part of that ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. And so that can that can uh, help indie developers. Yeah. Um, I again, it's a it's an expression of Valve's monopoly, which makes mm. me uncomfortable. Sure. But it is something that indie developers can take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, to some degree, um, because essentially it you know you take your record with you. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's something. I mean, I think it's always funny when people talk about like when um when Meta um then Facebook tied the Oculus VR headset to people's Facebook's accounts, which yeah. they've since decoupled yeah. after many complaints. But one of the principal things people on gaming forums were saying is like, I got banned from Facebook. Now I can't use my VR headset. And I'm like, well, I guess that is a problem. Yeah. But I'm not going to cry about it. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. How did you get banned from Facebook? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know that I'm that worried about your rights as a VR player if you got banned from Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. yes, yes, it is technically unfair. Uh-huh. And yes, an expression of Meta's growing uh, you know, encroachment into multiple uh, yeah, sectors. That's true. But uh, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to get that upset. And I think some of this is to you know, you get banned in one game. It, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a bad player in another. Right. But it is a hint. Yeah. And so the the systems are interesting. But again, it's it's a uh, Valve. It's uh, um, Steam is a social network. Yeah. And it has many of the levers of a social network. Right. Gamers don't like to hear that, but it's true. It is true. Um, that they've been worshiping a social network. And um, it, some, you get you take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, indie developers, if they can, like, get a, a little bit of that, if they're the t- if they're making a type of game that can, can benefit from it. Because um, that's one of the things that Valve has, in order to maintain the monopoly, monopoly it's, it's part of the way to do it is to offer tools to game developers. Yeah. Right? It's not... It's not all negative, the fact right. that they own everything, but that is a lever which they use to maintain their grip on, on the PC market. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you're not to be blamed for taking advantage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm just looking at, um, and I'll link this in the, in the, uh, in the show notes, but basically um, how you can, how to become an investigator yeah. um, in Counter-Strike, for example. Okay. Uh, and basically it's just, you got to be good enough at the game, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, you got to be good enough at the game to qualify, and also right, have it's a, skilled labor, right? It is skilled labor, right? Because you have to know the game well enough to be able to spot someone who's cheating. But do they train you to spot the things? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, you spending your free time getting good at their game is the training, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And then yeah. they test you before uh-huh. they give you the. 
Yeah, yeah, that's um very uh, conflicting, and I'm assuming a lot about how the system works. I don't really. Yeah, know. that's fair. I'm I'm taking a very. I mean, it's it's pre it's prereqs it's prerequisites, right? Yeah. You right. Have to, yeah. Com- competitive wins, account age, hours played, skill group, lower heart count. At least that's what's at this well, in this lot. article. Yeah. yeah, lower. But those are all important. Um, uh, I don't know if you need to be good at the game to know whether or not someone's cheating at a game. Well, you just have to understand how the game works. It doesn't say how many competitive wins, what the count age is, or hours, how many hours played. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I do, I totally acknowledge, I mean, I acknowledge you probably have to be at a certain level of minimum. It's, before... a, it's a proxy for your ability to spot it, but not to say that there aren't reason, other ways to be good at it. Yeah. But this is what they're. They're not interested in testing in other ways. any other ways. Sure. Yeah. Or right. they have tested other ways, and this is what this they is came what up they, with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is the best way to get the most inve- mm-hmm. qualified investigators. But I also suspect you're not going to get people motivated to unless they hit those qualifications. Also that's true, different. right, because they're all volunteers. So that's right. fair. Now, you do apparently, at least from this article, um, you do get small XP rewards. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> but here's that an interesting... So, that's, that's bad. So here, bad. But here's an interesting thing. Like, okay... It would. I think it makes sense to actually. It makes sense to actually have paid testers. It yeah. makes sense to me, um, but it does not make sense to me to try to create some sort of system that games your ability to do this. Because if you gave like in more in-game rewards or something like that, yeah, then you'd have people rushing to get through to cases. Gi- to give like, them some credit, I bet it's it's they they balance it that you just get XP for participating rather than for flagging. Because um, then that would be yeah. very easily gamed, and I'm yeah. sure they well, know better. And than any that. player can flag, right? Like, yeah. and mm-hmm. you don't have to have all those prerequisites yeah. in order to flag a, a, a you know an instance that you think is questionable. Yeah. But yeah. to actually review and pass a judgment on those instances, you have to meet those prerequisites and then accept your responsibility as an investigator. And to your point earlier, Mark, like you're probably not going to get people who do those who do the investigation unless they have those prerequisites because. Yeah. Those people are invested in the long-term health of the and game. And those are the people who can be motivated by funny money. Well, and they're, they're going to do it anyway, you know? Like, if they like if they like the game and yeah. they, they're doing a, right, yeah, a if part of What I mean is that if, if, if they're not those things, they will not be interested. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and XP is going to be – it's going to be worthless to them because it has no value. Right. But if right. they're invested in the game and it's a big part of their life, then they can – they get assigned value to it and they can be tempted by funny money. Yeah. That's that is my concern. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that was one of the interesting tech solutions that I found yeah. in my research. Um, and then one of the other interesting things, and this is more this is discussed really in that Daisy video that I mentioned, and mm-hmm. we'll link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, they really talked about how they were in. This is what like, got to the espionage part of it. Yeah. Well, they were out there like engaging with these communities of cheaters. Oh my gosh, how do you do fellow gamer? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> or like or like paying double agents and stuff. Like it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And what the heck? Yeah, it was wild. So like and, and they he talked about all these different stories about how like they were getting information about how people were cheating in the game. Mm-hmm. And um so they would like clandestinely engage with communities of cheaters, like on forums and Discord server and things like that, um, just to see what they're talking about mm-hmm. and what kind of things those communities of cheaters are sharing. Right. Yeah. And then also to build long term credibility as a member of those communities so that they could get even deeper access to the private communities where the real good stuff is. Yeah. The real dirt. 
right? Um, and so you can like go out and buy cheats and things like that, which I didn't even didn't even occur to me to go out and buy cheats. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I pulled up a private tab on Firefox and I I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I can go find this. So look out. <laughs> yeah, cheat this game that I don't play. Yeah. Um, but what the uh what the speaker was talking about is how like, you know, they if they want to go buy a cheat so that they can reverse engineer it and see what people are doing or catch somebody, you know, like some of these the cheat sellers will ask you for like proof of nationality. Yeah. Or like proof of cheating in other games. Wow. Like, are you the real deal? You know? Like the watch your back in this culture is just it's what they deserve it's yeah super well. wild it's so wild um so like you can you can hire cheaters you can hire people to infiltrate these groups people who already have credibility in some of these places to I go in i love that like, that is so, like oh. they're like white hat cheaters it's totally wild anyway um and but then when they're not doing that job they're cheating <laughs> <laughs> yeah like yeah it's just all it's, it's so, all a waste of everybody's it's, time. It's so <laughs> wild. I know. It's so it's so bizarre. Anyway, so like, and then someone, this is someone like in the Q&A at the end of the session was asking yeah. about like, don't you worry about people who are being like positioning themselves as double agents. So they're members <laughs> of the cheating community positioning themselves as white hat uh-huh. cheaters yeah. to work with the co- game companies just so they can get an insight, inside perspective yeah. on... Also, because like the real world like impact of it, like no one's going to jail for any of this. Yeah, and so I mean, maybe if there's like you know, but my, I guess my point is, is <laughs> this right. is so low stakes yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and these are video game players uh-huh. that I bet a bunch of people would be like, they're like, oh yeah, I want to help out, and like I've cheated, but like I'm, they're gonna give me some money to help them. Whatever, I don't care about these other cheaters. Yeah, I will, but it would be really fun to even to switch back. <laughs> like I bet there's just a ton of like game playing happening. Exactly. Yeah, because. The stakes are so low properly, but right. they feel so high, and that's what video games are. Yeah. Right, and if if you're just like if you're just like cheating at the game yeah. and and whatever, then it's yeah, there's there's really no stakes. I think um, people might go to jail if they're selling cheats and then don't report that income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then there's a lot of that. Yeah, like that might be a thing. Like, okay, you probably won't go to, you are not going to go to jail for cheating at a video game. I think I'm not a lawyer. Don't take <laughs> disclaimer. I'm not a yeah. lawyer. Right. Don't take Everyone that signed as gospel. A, a EULA, so maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unenforceable EULA. Yes, good yeah. point. Uh, but you, you will get in trouble if you make a bunch of money and don't report it on your taxes. Right. And we <laughs> talked in the last that. episode about how common that is. Yeah. Like, the, the actual proper criminal element. Yeah. 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 So um, it's totally wild. It's totally Whoa. wild to me that like. Yeah. It's amazing ah. how much of these things are. A, uh, a blend of technical tools and human assets and how that is every example you've talked about, like has a requires both. Yeah. There's no single type of solution. It requires this like mix. Um, and that, yeah. is, that is super fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is super fascinating. And like the game theory behind the cheating at the games, is just super fascinating. Yeah. Um, Makes you want to like, go back to school and be an economist and <laughs> study cheating in video game economies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, like that would actually be an academic paper because no one else would care, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So um, people talked about like, leading into this. I'm starting to wrap things up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of wrapping things up in this, this three-part exploration of cheating in video games Uh did I learn anything Until next time. immediately <laughs> immediately applicable? Yeah. Eric did point out that there was one topic we didn't really cover, but I don't think it fits into this series. Okay. And that's speed running. 
Oh, that's a whole. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah, that flips the table. But I, yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that. That's not even a part four. That's a different topic. Yeah. Um. So anyway, wrapping up on this third part of three, um, people talked about like when I was going into this, I heard heard like anti cheat described a lot as like whack a mole. Hmm. Yeah. But it, it seems like it's changed from whack a mole to more like. I guess the the saying is cat and mouse, but I really think of it more as like links and hair. So if you um if you studied like ecosystems at all, you probably heard this example of lynxes and lynxes are like a, a northern wild cat, mm-hmm. kind of like a bobcat, but bigger feet. Yeah. Okay. And they um one of their main sources of food is snowshoe hair, which is bunny. <laughs> bunny. <laughs> Cute fuzzy bunny. <laughs> um and you can see their population um their their population curves like completely in they're completely intertwined. Yeah. Oh right, you know? of course. Right. So like the hare population, if the lynx population is down, the hare population explodes and then the lynx population fi- like follows it and then overhunts the hare population and the lynx, you know, so it's just like completely tied in with each other. Ah. And it really to me, that's the kind of pattern that you're seeing with like cheating and anti-cheat. Yeah. Just yeah. This, they're just now completely tied into this evolutionary arms race that will never stop. Mm-hmm. There's no solution. It's just a cycle, right? You just have you put the systems in place, and you've got to participate. If you're going to create a, a competitive game at that scale, then that's just that's the table stakes. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> that's wild. This, I, yeah, I just, <laughs> I really want there to be a movie that's about like this stuff, but paced like a po- police <laughs> movie or something. And everyone is just rolling their eyes the whole time. Yes. <laughs> Like you try to, I want there to be like a scene where you're trying to explain this to your parents or something, and they're like, "Who cares?" <laughs> they go in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love this. And but of course, uh, Ice T will play a cop. Oh yeah, right. And, and who is introduced to this world yeah. and and is, and he rolls his eyes. Yeah, he's great at it. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me, and then yep. writes itself. It really does. Get uh, on in Hollywood. I feel like we said a lot of things that people might have additional thoughts on, either to support, expound upon, or contradict. So please join us on Discord and like talk about it. Yeah. Speaking of Discord, we got a call to action. Yeah, I will say I'll put, plant my flag right now and say that I am. I loved that Ellen dragged this out in the three episodes. Yeah. I think <laughs> it it was big win for the show yes agree um and i want to hear your thoughts on that as well because sometimes you know we're just in our little clubhouse mm-hmm. we don't always know yeah um we would like to hear your thoughts on the topics and what we couldn't cover and what else do you think we could explode into a three-part oh, yeah. <laughs> actually yeah very good question but not me my voice is fried <laughs> i could do one yeah steven will take the next one <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh join us at nicegames.club slash discord Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so my topic is a little softer, squishier one, but okay. I like those topics. Squishy. Um, which is putting the real world in games. One of the things, and this is not like a unique complaint of mine or anything, but like games are very genre heavy. And I mean genre in like the Comic-Con sense of what the yeah. word genre means. Yeah. Uh, sci-fi fantasy is particularly fantasy. Mm. And um, contemporary drama is not really a, a, a genre in games. Yeah. And even in, in uh, narrative games uh, where you're more likely to see it, there's always some. It, we tend to get into magical realism. Mm-hmm. I think mm. it, the, the 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 walk to that is very short. Yeah. Um. And that bothers me. And I I don't think I'm being a fuddy duddy about it, but maybe I am. Hmm. Um. I I don't. And I don't. I'm confused as to why it's so hard. Um. Because game mechanics can be anything. There are so many mini games. Yeah. Think of all the mini games where you like. You know, have to balance like you have to like put the soup cans away in some third person action game. Yeah, like yeah, you know if I mean those are usually kind of crummy, but mm-hmm. like that is gameplay. Yeah. Like why not? Mm-hmm. Why can't you have a game that has stuff like that in it? Mm-hmm. Um, that is designed better. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just want to talk about it. Questions for the group. So yeah. Am I even right about this? Am I just missing? No, a whole you're bunch absolutely of games? right. I think that there are a ton of games that uh are like they're real world adjacent yeah they're like basically real world but also he's a unicorn or something yeah right like it's it'll 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 be right there but they add a new thing and it'll it'll feel like they add a new thing because it's silly and fun and to get people to play it like that there's that pigeon dating game or whatever that was boyfriend that's it yeah there's like that it's like where it's like they take i i they take it self to like to the silly extreme i guess yeah um so they'll do that or i think they do it to make the gameplay make more sense um because like they'll come up with an idea of well it, it feels like to me they'll come up with an idea for a narrative um and they'll come up with gameplay to make to work with it but the gameplay doesn't fully mesh with the the narrative in a way that mm. works within the real world so they'll add like a sci-fi twist or something oh to yeah, it, yeah, yeah to yeah. make it yep. fit better and that papers over some sins too like yeah. uh, what's that game where you play as uh like monster prom is oh one? monster prom mm. yeah where like i had a, i mean i was my reaction to that game because um, I think we played it all as a group once. Mm-hmm. My reaction was like kind of revulsion because mm. it's like you're playing as like essentially 14 year olds trying to hook up with each other. But then in the game, they're like, but they're monsters and they're in their 20s. Don't worry. Yeah. And it's like you were just but papering over what this game actually is. <laughs> a and, lot of games do that. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and th- that bothered me. Yeah. That's fair. Adults can go to prom. <laughs> well, that was for their, an adult prom. But was it wasn't intention. Yeah. yeah. No, they but were in school. Everyone, everyone, was wear, everyone was wearing varsity jackets. Yeah, they were in and, school <laughs> and going to study hall. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of um, when you when games do try to bring real world ideas, they tend they don't have the confidence to to not cloak them. Yeah. In other things, because yeah. then they because then, yeah, the result of that is that they have to then somehow account for it. if mm-hmm. They're trying to make a game like Monster Prom. Yeah. Um, or it's something where they don't have the confidence that it will actually be engaging yeah. either narratively or mechanically. Right. And I I don't I think that is a lear- as a culture. That's a learned thing. We, it, it, we learned it, it as a culture that that's what it is. Well, we're pushing back against it in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, there's a there's a game that's come that's coming out called Venba or something mm-hmm. where it's like. You're a um a mom who's who really doesn't know who's trying to communicate with her teenage son 
or yeah. something. And she does it the best way she knows how to do that is by cooking. So it's like a cooking game. Yeah. But like there's a lot of narrative involved oh, with yeah, the cooking. Yeah. And it's just, yes. as far as I understand it, there's no magical realism stuff. I that's think it's a, just the mechanics around cooking. That's a great example. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, um, but they very are very much exceptions yes. to the rules. Because I, I think of, um, what was that game about a woman who goes on a bike ride across the country? Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it. came name. out recently and didn't mm-hmm. do very well, unfortunately. Oh, really? Oh. Um, but that one, it, it I, I was following that a little bit, but then mm. it, it has a little bit of the magical realism. The extra stuff, yeah. A little, a little bit. And sure. I think many games like that tend to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of the different games I've played that have explored like a, a real-life scenario and what twists they've given it. So, like, I see you mentioned Octodad in your... Um, oh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I, because these things are generally played for laughs, right? Yeah. right. Like, when, it, when it is realistic, and I think one of the had the other example, like Power Wash Simulator. Oh, it's yeah. It's funny yeah. because it's so realistic. Yeah. And then now four expansions later in three, like... They're IP cleaning tie-ins. SpongeBob's house. It's now, it's now just a fantasy game. Yeah. 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 Well, Octodad was real life, but what if you were an octopus yeah. trying not to be discovered as an octopus? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy and amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that game is brilliant. I will ha- take no, you know, uh, uh, insults on it from anybody. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But but it's an example of like oh. of like basically trying to use the real world as comic. Fire. I mean, effectively, yeah. the, what I hear hear you describing is a lot of these games are kind of like Pixar movies, right? Where like they'll take a real world idea. So that's, that's a really good. Yeah. Right. They'll take a real world yeah. idea. Like, what if toys were real? And then they take that and expand it into like real human emotions sort of things. What right? if grumpy guy made lots of balloons? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Um, and so like a lot of these games still explore real world issues and real, real emotions and things. Right. And yeah. you're not downplaying that. No, in fact, but yeah. I, I am uh, because each, I have no criticism against in any of these individuals. Exactly. Titles, right. Right. It's just more of like a tendency to go there by yes. default well yeah there's there's all these pixar movies but then there's also i can't think of an animated movie that's in a real set in a realistic setting well that's because <laughs> it's a it's a pop culture problem yeah i think it's just more pronounced in games yeah but it is particularly and then i'm not i don't just mean to say there are a lot of superhero movies these right days. no yeah it's been forever right yes. it's it's and you know a lot of it is just because drama is more interesting when it's fantastical it's mm. not like a that's not a flaw in human storytelling mm-hmm. but it tends to just be weighted in, in a way that's kind of frustrating um and i think the thing that that bothers me the most about this sort of stuff is that you it's the mechanics of these games yeah. that then tend to uh get us there right and, yeah. and 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 I feel like it and that sort of realism can be it doesn't have to be narrative yeah so like visual novels very a lot of them will I mean if they're not fantasy leaning mm-hmm. that's where you'll find the sort of like you know, sort of, uh, you know, um, simple stories yes, um, and things like that. But there's no reason you can't have going to your sister's out-of-state wedding simulator. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that that game can be mostly navigating traffic, trying to get through the airport. <laughs> yeah. Like picking out a suit. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a bunch of cutscenes and tearful speeches at the, you know what I mean? Like, right. You don't, it doesn't have to be a story game mm-hmm. um, to bring the real world in. And I think that's where people will probably go to. if like, oh, I'm going to make a realistic game. Therefore, it needs to be like, you know, like my dinner with Andre. Yeah, right? yeah. Which mm. I wouldn't mind a game of that. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Like, it doesn't have to be. It can, it can. I do wish we found more. Um, I wish we found more play in the mundane. 
Um, mm-hmm. like, like, cause there's, I mean, we, we do things on a day to day basis yeah. that are boring, but like sometimes you can find ways to make them fun and interesting or engaging, or also they can just be boring and that's fine too, I guess. Yeah. Like games don't have to be fun. I'm well, always saying th- that. This goes to my, right. my deep contention <laughs> yeah. that what the player experiences can and often should be different from what the character experiences. Mm. Yeah. So you yeah. can have a game that is thrilling and white knuckle on the controller yeah. that is doing the dishes. Yeah, but the character doesn't have to be. That's called overcooked. Well, that, no, that's exactly what I mean. Is that <laughs> it's not that. Is, yeah, is that overcooked is the story, the the setting is chaotic and crazy. Yes, but and the gameplay matches. Yeah, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, saying. let's you can make a, a a very difficult, tense game that requires a lot of skill, but the presentation, the story, can just be someone doing the dishes. Right. Yeah. Like the the player and the character can have different experiences, mm-hmm. and I think I think those are the types of games that lend themselves really well towards making like really engaging gameplay experiences without requiring fantastical scenarios yeah. to justify that type of gameplay. Yeah. Uh, high stakes or or challenging. Right. Um, well, I see now I'm I'm now my mind is going into making a game. Um <laughs> I'm imagining a game where you are trying to wash the dishes, but your spouse is trying to have a conversation with you and you start getting into an argument and yeah. like you have to both manage washing these dishes cuz you need these dishes cuz your kid is hungry or something. I don't uh-huh. know. Um whatever but, people need dishes for. Exactly. Or um but also <laughs> you need to talk to your spouse because you care about this relationship and you don't want it to end, so yeah. you have to manage both things at the same time. Like that would be tense and, and and yeah. you're still just trying to wash the dishes there was a, and have a conversation. You just, you guys have, okay, so I have so many games that have come to mind, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I respectfully request you stop talking about my marriage on the podcast. <laughs> 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 Thanks for that, Dale. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um. Guys, am I in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you haven't made a dishwashing game yet. <laughs> you haven't made dishwashing fun yet, Mark. Um, so, go- have you guys played Gone Home? I have not. Mm-mm. We're so, familiar with it, but yeah, um, it's. I think. I mean, it's. It's been out there for a while. So, I'm yes. Spoilers. Yep. But uh, yeah. So it is. A, it's a mystery, right? You're like at a house. There's nobody mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. You're back home. There's no one there. You don't know why. And you have to kind of go through the house and try to figure out what's going on. And the clues to what's going on are hidden for reasons that are revealed. Mm-hmm. And it's very spooky, spooky house. Right. The, the contention is when you play it, you're like, this is going to turn out to be an X-Files episode. And then it's not. And then yeah. it's not. Right. Exactly. It's just yeah. it's completely normal. It kind of plays on these expectations of the genre. Exactly. And I thought that was really great. Because it's, yeah. it's actually just, com- I mean, it's a very... It's a moving story, but it is not a supernatural story. Right, right. Um, but it definitely makes you think that it's going to be one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I said, I haven't played it, so mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm, it's not fair of me to judge. Mm. But I'm like, no, that's clever. But like, we don't. Do we need clever? Well, well, it's still kind of. It, it yeah. uses what you were talking about as yeah. an or as a as a vehicle. Yeah, to and do of course, let stuff. a thousand flowers bloom. Right. Yeah. I, I just I don't know if it's the best example of what I think is missing. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely one of those things where yeah, it 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 had the courage to just decide this is a normal thing. But it only had the courage. What I'm, I guess what I was trying to say is it only had the courage to do that because it's taking advantage of what other people have done and playing preying on praying on that um, <laughs> building. To, yeah, yeah <laughs> building on that. I guess. But as a result, they kind of make it feel like it's supernatural, so people are engaged in it. 
initially, and then yeah. there becomes something different, yeah. which is fine. I don't but... have a problem with that. I guess. Oh, okay. I just yeah, I I don't I just don't know if it's the. I guess I'd rather them just hold, wear it on their sleeves. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think it would have been the same game. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it probably would have been know different. If it was... I'm not saying that yeah. Gone Home needs to change. I'm just saying that. I don't. I'm, I guess I'm arguing that it's not an example of a thing that Mark was trying to describe, which no, is sure. maybe not fair because he was the one describing well, it. Well, yeah. no, because I, I have to be careful because like yeah. I do a lot of like whining about games like, on this show, <laughs> and I have. But do. the thing is, I'm always like compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing myself into this sure. issue, right? Yeah. So like, there's nothing wrong with a game that has magical realism. Yeah. Right. By itself, like that. Yes. You know, you can have a billion of those, and like, there's no. You know, it's uh, who is anybody to judge how many of a certain type of game there should be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. I just think that there aren't there aren't enough games that are that that are this particular type. It's of a thing. it's a missed opportunity. And the ones that yeah. get close to it, I yes. feel like don't quite reach that level. Yes. Um, and a game like Gone, Gone Home is very narrative focused. Yeah. And I think that's probably the easiest way in. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the sort of second half of my thing is like I, I wish we didn't have to have to go there first. That we could yeah. get we can get there elsewhere. Well, okay. Know? So I think an example of a game that probably hits what you're talking about is unpacking right yes actually yeah. unpacking is a great example mm-hmm. in that the gameplay is sort of decoupled slightly from the actual sort of story experience yeah yeah and it is it's a narrative game insofar that the mechanics deliver that story yeah which is like you know that's it hits all my bells right mm-hmm. um yeah that's a perfect example yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think yes, more games like that are kind of what you're looking yeah. for. And that game is not a novelty. No, you know what I mean. Like yeah. that's the, that's the thing is it's it doesn't play it for laughs. It um, right. Yeah, exactly. That might be the Ur example. Yeah, I guess that's kind of why I didn't like the Gone Home example is because like unpacking is about unpacking. Yeah. I mean, like I like the name because yeah. it's also what it is. But I like that it's just like that's what the game is. And that's what the player is doing. It's and not leaning into the irony of it. Or yeah, either, and yeah. it's not leaning into other tropes about w- what unpacking could potentially mean and making people think that, or having people maybe think that it's something different to get them to yeah. play it or something. It's just, this is the game. It's courage is just being what it is on the table. Exactly, right? and I like that about it, and yeah, that's what I yeah. like a little less about Gone Home. I think yeah. I'm maybe a little salty about Gone Home because it looked like a scary <laughs> game, and it kept me away from playing it. <laughs> So maybe there's have you well Tacoma is a scary game. That, yeah, that's their next one. I played mm. that. Oh okay. Um, and it's pretty good. Okay. Um, but I'll it's just take your word for it. <laughs> Firewatch, just hiking. Oh, another good example. Yeah, that's just a good hiking. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, being part of being real doesn't necessarily preclude being like you know dramatic or interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Or dangerous or or uh, extraordinary. Yes. Um, you know, um, there's you know. You could be trapped in a burning building. That's a thing that happened. Really happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't you don't have to preclude fantastical events just because your world isn't fantastical? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's just my advice: is think about that when you're brainstorming, especially if you're someone who's like more either you're more a mechanics person or you're more a narrative person, and you're mm-hmm. not thinking necessarily about both. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes time to fill in the other half of that, make sure you're not leaning towards those tropes just because that's you sort of have to yeah um think about what it would be to to say no to the fantastical story twist um because and then have confidence that your mechanics are good enough and and that you can have a a, a sort of a a realistically set story yeah or Mm -hmm. think about your story being dramatic enough and you don't need to have the mechanics that then require it to have you know you don't need to have like crafting spells in your high school drama you know what i mean yeah like yeah um I don't know. Give it a try. Yeah. Or you do, and they just don't do anything. <laughs> right, it's just something you do with your friends because you're silly. Because you're nerds. Actually, that'd be that'd be an example of kind of playing the gone home yeah, thing. And yeah. I, I'm all in favor of that. Like yeah. I said, I think that's a that is a good thing. Go for it. Um, 
but uh yeah that's uh th- thousand flowers bloom but we're really only letting you know like 800 of them so let's <laughs> the rest can yeah. i can i add two wrinkle things please okay i have seen a lot of those mechanics using game jams yeah, I yeah. think they pop up a lot in game gems. Like three things come to mind: Sonder, one we did together. Yeah, right. um, that was all about like looking through mementos in an attic. Yeah, or in a room. And we talked about that. I remember now, like making sure that it would felt it felt very real. Yeah, without feeling um, extraordinary. Yeah, like like even though it was we wanted to be interesting but not extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. and kind of feel feel ethereal without being that. Yeah. Um, and then a couple other ones. There was one amazing game jam. I can't remember who did it, but we I know I will find it on the Global Game Jam site and I'm gonna put it in the show notes. Um, and that is one where you're like trying to eat while you are trying to talk to someone. And I can't remember if it was um uh an immersion project. Immer- you know, when Glitch was still doing the immersion mm-hmm. program, if it was a project out of that or if it was a global game jam event but like you're trying to like finish your food while you're having a conversation with your date yeah and it's really that's difficult. all like steven's example yeah it's yeah. really yeah. difficult to do both and yeah. like <laughs> a date got super bored but i ate that food <laughs> um and then the, the last one that came to mind was an immersion program um project that adia did years ago mm-hmm. the smile simulator oh yeah where yeah. you had to like balance the muscles on your face exactly right otherwise you'd be like sad or you'd be smiling like a freaking maniac and it's yeah. creepy either way it's like, bad either way yeah and i thought that was really good mm-hmm. um so I don't, I don't know i think one of the challenges is you know like coming up with those fun those fun mechanics but often like the day-to-day mechanics are so these like these tiny minute moments that don't, don't necessarily it takes a little bit more thinking to expand that into a whole game. Yes. You yeah, know? Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Cause like the, once you have that great idea and then the jam goes forward, then that's when you start facing the pressure to move away from it. Right. Well, I mean, you can do it. You can, you can take a small like daily interaction and put, make it into a game if the game is short. Yes. But like, how do you make crossing the street interesting to a to p- the point of a 20-hour game? Right. I mean, we have Frogger. I don't think Frogger was a 20-hour game. No. So, like, when you're thinking about the scope of the games you might want to make and how you might want to have story in there, like, how do you take those everyday interactions, which typically are pretty small and don't really require a lot of attention to master, and then expand that into something that might be compatible with story and might be big enough that people will spend $10 on it, yeah. you know? Like, I think that's that's the challenge. Yeah, and I think the the limitation that I think would help sort of keep you on track for this is the thing that I find frustrating about a lot of magical realism games or games that are that are just barely genre yeah is that they get really tied up in metaphor and allegory which mm. are gr- great tools of genre mm-hmm. um you know as a big star trek fan that's like the the big sort of like myth about star trek is that it told allegorical stories because it couldn't get the real stories through the sensors oh um which isn't actually true it's that 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 those stations in the south needed plausible deniability mm. everybody knew what was going on it wasn't uh. like you were hiding these things <laughs> yeah which is a whole separate issue about like like hiding the ball yeah but um, I think when you're trying to tell a story, it can be really easy to get excited about a metaphor. Yeah. And and I think that can be, well, then you start not telling your story anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I just keep, keep an eye on that. Yeah. That's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on social media at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts about game dev resources and the Buddha engine. Reply on various platforms or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. 
Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. If you want to keep things more casual, just swap by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be deciding what to do next with Rick Stem. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. I'm going to cut that. I think I'm editing this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I honestly, I was thinking about my, <laughs> my dishwashing game. <laughs> so I like tune out the past five minutes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> nice. Well, you'll listen to it anyway, since you're editing it. Yep. yep. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.